not feel his presence, uh, we'll never want to take it for granted. Amen. Thankful for uh, for what the Lord's doing. Appreciate his goodness. Appreciate the spirit of the Lord. You know, where the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom there in that place. Amen. And that could be anywhere, not just here in this sanctuary. Any place you are in life, any place you are. You might be in a car, you may be in a hotel room, you might be on the side of the road. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, amen, and we can experience it all the time. i got a message for you tonight. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it was all those Sunday school lessons and Paul talking to Timothy and Titus that got my mind on this, and it was a little bit of that, and it was also a lot of uh, whenever Brother, uh, oh Lord, his name slipped my mind. I hate you know, I, can y'all tell that we're a bunch of Hutchins? <laughs> can y'all tell that? Who was the guy that just came and did Brother, uh, who? Thank you. Thank you. Brother Byron Henderson. How could I forget that man's name? But he came and did a, a, a thing on heaven for us, a little uh, teaching. And, and well, I love Brother Byron so much. He's the character. And uh, he gets me he gets me tickled a lot with things that he says. And I, nobody else is laughing, but I'm back there laughing. I'm having a good time and learning from him. Uh, but anyways, he read a verse, and I was back there with Brother Kurt, uh, and I just started writing some stuff down, and the Lord just started dealing with me about this. And I, uh, I know what I'm about to preach may uh, come off maybe as a little bit harsh, and I don't mean it to be. I just know that at 624 on Sunday, November the 25th, and at 625, Jesus could come. That's what I'm waiting. Are you not waiting and watching for that to happen? You know, 625, Jesus could have done come. 626, his coming is so Im- imminent. And things have lined up so perfectly just the way that he said they would. Because his word is true. His word is true and it's going to come to pass. And it has come to pass. That now we live in the last days of the last days. Really, I believe that the last day started right after the day of Pentecost. That's the last days, and we're still living in them. And the Holy Spirit is moving and ministering to men and women to share the gospel to a lost world. And we are trying to tell as many people as we can to get saved. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. Amen. And turn away from the way that you're living. So if you would, just turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. And I just want to read verse, uh, I want to read verse 7 and 8. I was going to read just 8, but we can't read 8 without 7. So we're going to get into this. I apologize for not wearing a suit. and I'm kind of cold. I actually have my long johns on up here because I'm freezing. We're supposed to have a bad winter. So uh, and I, so here I am. But uh, And I also felt too, I thought, you know, this kind of, ser- this kind of sermon, I might need to wear my boots. And have both my knives on me. So so I do. Now, so we're just going to pray and believe God. Amen. Tonight, we're going to get into his word. If you could please stand. Let's always honor God's word by standing and reading. Tonight, in Revelations chapter 21, starting with verse 7. I love verse 7. Let's just read it. The Bible says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Praise God. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, 
I get everything and God will be my God. And he shall be my son. What an honor to be the sons and daughters of God. Then verse 8 comes a warning. And this is where we are, I believe, today. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We just want to talk to you for a little while tonight on that first part of verse 8, just uh, talking about um, the fearful, the unbelieving, and so on and so forth. If uh, I want to ask the Lord to deal with me, I want to ask my Uncle Rick to pray before we get started. Ricky, would you pray for us? Amen. Thank you so much. So to he that overcomes, and if you want to go to the first of Revelation, you can see where God says, as he's speaking to the churches, Jesus is talking, he says, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. It's just pounding. John's just writing it as Jesus is saying it. To him that overcomes. We will inherit all things. Praise God. Amen. You get everything if you're an overcomer. And you can be an overcomer. And anybody can be an overcomer. Amen. It don't matter what situation or whatever they're going through, whatever the things they, that they fight with. I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus that anybody and everybody can be an overcomer through whatever they're going through through that precious, powerful, mighty name of Jesus Christ. We can be overcomers. And not only that, but we get to inherit all things. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I was talking to Lisa about this. You know, it always puzzled me whenever people would say, when we go to heaven, are we going to have anything to do? I was like, well, there's a gajillion things that I can think of to do. And the number one thing on my mind is I want to be on front of that throne worshiping God I enjoy the reason why I come to church and the reason why I come to this church is to worship and lift his holy name up amen do we not do you not enjoy worshiping God I know I do so telling me that I can do that forever without going to sleep no problem no problem here I'll take it amen and can you think, you got to put yourself there. Because it's going to happen sooner than, than we think. We're going to be there in that city. There's plenty of room for whoever wants to go. In front of that throne, there will be God. Jesus sitting on his right hand. He won't be looking like, you know, what we see in Scripture other than in Revelations. He will be high and lifted up. His train will fill the temple. That's the Lord that we serve. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He rules over all. No contest. Nobody comes up any close to being who Jesus is. So worshiping Him forever, we get to all that stuff. And then after that, it even gets better. After the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, and so on and so forth, God's going to do a little bit of house cleaning, and He's going to redo this fire, uh, redo this earth with fire. Do a little bit of, you know, remodeling. 
and we get to inherit the earth. And one thing that I, I never ran across, but whenever Brother Brian said this, that there wasn't going to be a lot of ocean, I didn't realize that, but this, the Bible says that. That was one of those things I caught that he was talking to us about. He said there won't be a lot of ocean anymore, you know, in that time. So we're going to have things we're going to have to do. You know, we get to inherit all. God will be our God, and we will be his sons and daughters. Let's just go ahead and start now is what I say. Everybody get on board and let's go. That place is going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful, Richie. It's going to be fantastic, you know. It's going to be a great place, you know, and, and anybody that wants to go can. However, there are going to be also be a lot of people that don't go, and that's what I want to talk about here. This first part of chapter, uh, the verse 8 here in chapter 21 of Revelations, it's talking to folks that are in the church. The last half of it is talking to other folks. Let's read it in the Amplified Version. I, I love the Amplified Version. I have a few notes here, and we'll pray, amen. Verse 8 says, But as for the cowards and the ignoble, and the contemptible and the cravenly uh, lacking in courage and the cowardly submissive, and as for those unbelieving and faithless, and as for the deprived and defiled with abominations, as for the murderers and the lewd, the adulterous and the practitioners and magic arts and the idolaters, those who give supreme devotion to anyone or anything other than God, and all liars. Those who knowingly convey untruth by word or deed, all of these shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. The Bible says this is the second death. That first part there, cowards and the fearful. Those who fear what? What are they scared of? That You know, when I first read this, and Brother Byron was going over it, I'm like, what are they fearful of? And I did a little uh, research in my commentary, and I believe this to be true. It is those individuals that are fearful of the disapproval on the threat of humans more than the value, loyalty to Christ, and the truth of his word. And it's never been more evident than today, knowing that this is true. In my pocket, I hold a cell phone. On that cell phone, I have Facebook. I don't really get on Facebook a lot, but I have it so that people can communicate with me. Sometimes Brother Greg needs to get a hold of me and let me know that I need to sing. He sends me a little message, and I hear the ding. He says, Brother Brim, would you care to sing? And I say yes, and that's why I have it. I don't really get on there a lot. But you'll notice on Facebook now that it used to be a thumbs up and a thumbs down. But now it's a thumbs up, a heart, an angry face, a sad face. You got all kinds of emotions you can put on there. And there are people, Lord's coming back, 634. I told you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Let me, before I go any further with this, let me tell you a story. I was going to stay behind the pulpit because the way I'm dressed, I'm sorry. I just walked out. Whenever that earthquake hit us a couple years ago, when my eyes popped open, I thought, Jesus is coming back. I'm so excited. And I went out there, and I got in the hallway, and Mama said, what is that? I don't know what that is. She goes, I think it's an earthquake. Ty was asleep. He didn't even roll over. He was knocked out, you know. But I thought when that earthquake hit and that earth was shaking, I thought, Jesus is coming back. It's time. This is over. It's done. I'm going to glory, you know. Everybody's going. We're all going. And here we are all these years later. But I believe it's coming pretty soon. But Facebook... You know, you can get on there, and, and people 
have killed themselves, committed suicide because of the way that people have reacted to something they've put on these little devices. How sad. But that's how people are today, aren't they? They are totally, completely consumed by what others think of them. They're, they're so fearful and anxious about that, you know? And sometimes we can get that way with stuff. And they take uh, 100 selfies a day, you know, in different kinds of ways with different kinds of filters because they want to feel that reaction of people looking at them I can tell you this much right here, folks. I could put, I could make a fake life on this. And a lot of what we see, unfortunately, is it's nothing but a smoke screen from the way people really are and how they're being, you know. People are fearful about what others think of them. And with our youth and our young folks and this way of living, it's, it's real serious business with them. Because whenever they go to school, High school, middle school, it doesn't matter. And they tell someone that they believe in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that he is the truth, that that Bible is God's inspired word. They are going to confront and be confronted with persecution and peer pressure because those kids don't want to hear that. They want, like anybody else does, they want to live the way they want to live. And whenever this gospel message get, whenever you stand for this gospel, you're going to meet that head on. And here in Revelation chapter 8, we see they're fearful, they're anxious because of what others think of them. You know, what others think of them. I seen it this morning. There were so many people in this sanctuary that just needed to make a move towards God. We can't go and grab them. You know, they have to come on their own. But I, I see it on their faces, you know, that war in their mind. And you can see it in their eyes as they're thinking. You know, I don't know if I want to go up there or not. I might lose something. I might not be able to do something I really want to do tomorrow. I know if I go up there and God gets a hold of my life, I'm going to be a different person. How are others going to think about that? I'm not worried about what others think. I'm not worried about what that world thinks or what that society says about the way I believe. I'm not intimidated by any of the individuals that attack the way I believe in the media or anything. This gospel that I believe is true. It's not just true because I believe it's true. It's true because it is true and the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me as truth. This Jesus that we talk about, that we preach was born of a virgin. Are you excited about celebrating his birthday this month? I don't care about the all that we can get into it. Sometimes we've, we've discussed it too about, well, you know, it was a pagan holiday and blah, 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 blah. I just want to, I'll celebrate it every day. Let's just celebrate Christ's birth every day. Here he's coming on the earth. The shepherds are there. The angels are singing. He's coming to bring salvation to man. God from the time that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, has had these people that he's brought out of the world. He's made them different. And through their line, as we've uh, Dad has uh, preached on Wednesday night, you know, Rahab, she's just, uh, she's just a hero to me in Scripture. You know, a harlot in Jericho. Yet, 
God uses her. And she's one of Jesus' great, 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 great grandmothers. This family that God separates and pulls out these people. And here he is, Mary and Joseph. And they're in the most humble circumstances. And the prince of heaven comes and he's laying in a feeding trough. And he's coming for us. Amen. He's coming. How wonderful. There's no story like that. There's nobody that's ever done that before. How much love does the Father have for us that He would send His only begotten Son that we would have salvation? Makes you feel small, doesn't it? When we tell that world that, they they say, well, you know, that's just your worldview. That's just the way you think about it, you know. Everybody stands up for what they think is truth, you know. But, and we, when we tell them that gospel, as I've said before, you're always going to have two reactions. You're either they're going to just get mad at you, or the Holy Spirit's going to minister to them, and they're going to open their heart up to it. And each and every one of us can be those kind of individuals that God uses to spread this gospel. Amen? You know I believe that to be true. But these fearful people, they're, they feel for their personal safety sometimes. Oh, goodness, and their status among others means more than their faithfulness to Christ. They include the compromisers among God's people who have given up the fight, and they do not conquer. Amen? I think about my little grandmother going to school, and they made fun of her, and they teased her. But she didn't give up. Amen. And because she didn't give up when they did that, here I stand today. I'm telling you what, it is worth being an overcomer. Yes, you're going to you're going to experience a little bit of there's always going to be when the rubber hits the road, there's always going to be a little rough times as you as you as you all know, but it's worth being a, an overcomer. And just to tell you about the cowardice and the fearfulness that can come about that, especially for our young folks or if you're ever talking to your children, always remind them that perfect love casts out all fear. It casts out all anxiety. It casts out all worry. So whenever they feel that in their heart and their life, I always tell them, you just need to pray and ask God to pour His perfect, wonderful, awesome love into you so that all that worry and that fear can go away. Amen. And all those pan- whenever anybody has a panic attack or they have trouble with panicking and getting tore out of the frame, I said, we need to pray for the perfect love of God to be poured out on you. Amen. And to help you in whatever situation that you're going through. We don't have to be fearful. And we don't have to worry about what they say. I tell you what, what God's gave me, they can't have it. I'm not going to let them dissuade me or discouraging me from believing in Him. I'm not going to let them uh, take away what God has given me. Amen? So let's not be fearful when we have to deal with that. In 2 Timothy 2, 12-13, the word suffer there, because the Bible says that, that we'll suffer, means to endure or preserve. Those who preserve and remain steadfast in the faith to the end shall live and reign with Christ. Amen? I tell you what, I tell folks a lot of times as I try to explain what eternity is, in math they have a line 
with uh, two arrows on each side uh, whenever they're teaching their kids about positive and negative numbers. And the math teacher will tell you that from zero to there is infinity, and from zero to there is infinity. The line never stops. Ian always asked me, Dad, what's the biggest number? I said, I don't know. The, the numbers, they can keep going on forever. And that gets him tickled. And he, he starts trying to say, was it a bajillion? Is it a, and I was like, nope. And he'll try to guess over and over again. I was like, no, it's forever. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity is forever. And as I'm trying to explain it to our kids whenever I'm uh, uh, teenagers, whenever I'm dealing with them, I'll draw that line. And then I'll do a little dot that you can't even see. And I'll be like, congratulations, that's your life. That's eternity, and that's your life. I'll go through whatever I have to go through in this life to have an eternity with God. Amen. Whatever we have to go through, I'll take it so that I can be in eternity with Him. Let's be individuals that we know that we're going to... And I believe one of the reasons why the Lord's been dealing with me, me with this, and I'll be honest with you, and I say this with all gravity, knowing that my words, especially standing behind the sacred desk, is all as much weight as I can. I've read the back of this book. You've read the back of this book. You know what's going to happen in the end times. The Bible says that Dad was preaching it the other day. Evil men are waxed worse and worse. You know, I can't say it's going to get better. But it will whenever that trumpet sounds. So I'll endure to the end, won't you? Amen. It's worth it. In 1 Thessalonians, woo, Lord help me, chapter 2 and verse 4. Every preacher of the gospel faces the temptation to please men, to seek acceptance, to approval, and glory of others by preaching only what will not offend. Folks, this gospel is offensive. Whenever people hear it and the Holy Spirit gets involved, it convicts them of the way that they're living. People are scared to death to tell anyone that they're wrong. But this word tells us, as sinner folks, that they're wrong, that they're not living right. But then it gives them the glorious hope that their sins could be washed away with the blood of Jesus. That's what I preached last time, right? There's no sense and no point because you will get nowhere in watering down any kind of message when you preach. We're here to preach the Bible under an anointing of the Holy Ghost, as it says. You know, and if it, if it ever gets you, uh, sometimes we, you know, folks get a little upset. But if, if the Bible ever deals with you particularly about something, uh, make that a point of prayer and get after getting rid of it or start doing it. All right? You know, it's going to get us sometimes. I know the Baptist folks, they say this. It always tickles me. Uh, they'll have a revival or something, and then they'll say, Lord, that preacher, he stepped all over me. He stepped all over me. He just run all over me. And I was like, well, that's a good thing. They go, yeah, but boy, he just beat me up, <laughs> you know. And sometimes they say that, and that's okay. Going down to the uh, starting, still staying there in the first of that verse, with the cowards, the fearful. And then the, there was this word in the Amplified Version that I, I really want to talk to you about tonight, and that's the ignoble. Ignoble means not honorable in character or purpose. It also means it suggests a loss or lack of some essential high quality of mind or spirit. Now, when I read that, I thought to myself, goodness, you know. Now, we're talking about folks that aren't going to make it. 
It suggests a loss or a lack of some essential high quality of mind or spirit. To be saved, you have to believe in your heart that Jesus has done everything that Jesus said he did in this world. You have to believe that Jesus can save you from your sins. That he really died on that cross. That his blood was really shed for you so that you can be put in good standing with God. Amen. But not only that, the Bible also tells us that we believe with our heart, but then we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we are putting ourselves under his authority. We are saying, Lord, I belong to you. I remember, uh, I think it was in the beginning of, uh, I was one of the, I think it was Philemon, if I'm not mistaken, trying to think. Paul said, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul put himself under the authority of Jesus. He believed in his heart and he confessed with his mouth that Jesus was Lord. And when he did that, the Holy Spirit gets involved when you do that. Amen. Brother Doug, whenever he was, uh, he got all his counselors together about two years ago before youth camp. He said, I, I just want to talk to y'all about something. Because we were dealing with kids that were real young. You know, they were coming out of being kids and they were kind of in that preteen, very awkward stage. He said, I want you to know this. Whenever you're praying for those kids and the Holy Spirit begins to minister to them and move on them, He's going to be depositing a lot of things in their life, things that may come up sooner than later. But He's going to be putting a lot there that He's going to use and minister to them because it's no different than when we believe that Holy Spirit begins to do that transformation work in us. It's called sanctification, regeneration. We're transformed into different individuals. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't belong to this world. I'm just an alien walking through. Amen? Now, that can make you happy. That makes me a lot happy, especially as messed up as the world is today. I don't want to belong to that. I want to belong to the family of God. Ever since uh, uh, Robert's funeral, I've been, you can ask Lisa, I've been singing that song. I'm part of a family, the family of God. And how wonderful it is to be a part of God's family tonight. Amen? You know, I don't want to belong to any of that out there. Those folks are desperate. And, and I'll be honest with you, I know what they're desperate for. I'm holding it right here in my hand. They're desperate to have a relationship with God. They'll deny it, lie through their teeth. But Jesus is the only thing that can bring them peace, contentment, joy, happiness, purpose. It all comes with Him. Amen? So I don't want to be fearful. And I want to be honorable before the Lord. The unbelieving and the faithless. Those include former believers in Christ who are overcome by various sins to profess Christ and then practice evil is an abomination unto God. You cannot be an immoral person and a true child of God. I know with this subject that there have been so many debates and amongst everyone out there that they say one way or the other, this, that, and the other. God has the ability and the power through His mercy and His grace which saved us to sanctify us through His Spirit. His Spirit comes along 
His Spirit is Him. And it instructs us and enables us to be able to live a Christian life in this world. And as I was sharing with the ladies this morning in Sunday school, I got to do Sunday school this morning. I got to read across, uh, I don't know if y'all read it or not, but a quote from D.L. Moody. Whenever you allow this Jesus, whenever you do away with your fear, whenever you allow him to minister to your mind, to your spirit, whenever you allow him to increase your faith, you're going to be a light in a dark place. You don't have to fire a cannon, as D.L. Moody says. You're not going to have to get a hold of a megaphone or be on a PA to tell everybody about the way you believe and what you're living. They are going to see it in you. And you know what they're going to do next? They're going to ask you about it. Why are you the way you are? And when they ask that question, be ready. Be ready for folks to ask you that question so you can let them know it is this same Jesus. Amen. This Jesus has transformed my life. Amen. So we don't have to uh, fire the guns and stuff, sound the bells, or wear what this, that, or the other. As we live that kind of life in front of folks, they're going to see that we're different. You know, we're different. I shared with them today, I'll share it with y'all guys. It's just a story real quick. I was at the meal, and there was a hoster driver that, as I told the ladies, he was a little like Oscar on Sesame Street. Anything you said to him, most of the time he was going to bar, 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 bar back. It wouldn't matter if you came up and gave the guy $50. He'd probably still have something negative to say. He's just one of those kinds of people. So most people didn't really have a lot to do with him, you know. Whenever you called on for the radio for parts, has anybody had to use a radio in a meal and just raise your hand? That's kind of, yeah, there you go. We all know how that goes, don't we, whenever you have to get on the radio. Uh, usually he didn't have very nice things to say. So most people stayed away from him. Well, there was one day he was going down through there, Thomas, and he had a bunch of those corner posts, you know, those big barrels of corner posts. And he dropped it. Man, they went everywhere. They was all, it was just a big old huge ugly mess. And we were, you know, I think we might have been at break. I don't know. We had we weren't doing anything over there on the line. So and I, I told the ladies, I was like, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. I'm not trying to do that tonight. I'm just trying to convey a point. And I think sometimes whenever we tell stuff like this, I hope we don't lose our, our reward for them. So I walked over there. I know how the guy is. And I started picking him up and helping put him in his thing, you know. Now, he didn't say thank you. But that didn't surprise me <laughs> the way that he was. I walked back over to my job. And the first thing I hear, why did you help him? You know how he is. That guy don't care nothing about nobody else but himself. You should have let him pick every single one of those up. He deserved for that to happen to him. He's an ugly man. I was like, yeah, you're right, he is ugly. And he may have deserved for that to happen to him. But that's not who I am. It's got nothing to do with him or the way he is or what happened. But it's got everything to do with who lives on the inside of me. And just to let you push the 
point a little bit further, there was a man I watched. You can see him on YouTube. I'm sorry for the ladies in Sunday school. You're having to hear this again. It's just been on my heart. There was a man that you can go watch this on YouTube who was in a courtroom. Him and all the rest of the families of the individual that they had caught who was a serial killer and had killed members of their family. This old man, he looked a lot like Santa Claus, belly and all, big white beard. And you remember the, the I just can't get over this, but the rainbow striped uh, suspenders that used to be kind of big in the 70s? He had a big old pair of them on and a nice collared shirt. So that's who this guy was, if you can imagine that. They had convicted the man of all the crimes. He's guilty. He's the one that did it. He, I think he even confessed. Because he was just an ugly, horrible, evil, sinful man. I mean, you addressed that the other night. He was an evil man. And he had a wicked, evil look to him. And they were allowing all the families to address the killer. And, buddy, they were giving him down the road. They were saying stuff that I wouldn't repeat even if I wasn't standing in church. Because it was rough. They were telling him where they wanted him to go and what they wanted to happen. And... The judge was just letting them do it. I mean, you know, he had killed members of their family. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Well, this big uh, Santa Claus type man gets up behind the pulpit, and you could tell he was very nervous. He didn't, you know, and he was kind of doing his hand along the pulpit there, and he was quiet, and he said, Well, there's been a lot of people say a lot of things. And they're probably right. And they're very upset with you, and and I am too. You see, the man had killed his daughter. He lost his daughter. He said, but I'm a Christian. And even though you have not asked me, I forgive you. And I'm praying for you. And I want you to know that Jesus can save your soul. When the man, the serial killer, heard that, tears started flowing down his face. I tell you what, folks, this gospel and this way we believe, there is power in it. Whenever you have a child of God that stands up and does right, his daughter's dead, ladies and gentlemen. His daughter is in the ground dead because of this man's stupidity and evilness. Yet he looks at that man and says, I forgive you. And you can get forgiveness for God from everything you've done. You don't have to go to hell for what you've done. You can be changed. There's power in this. And I know I could see it on all those families' faces as they were watching that guy. They were just dumb, dumbstruck. You see, whenever we are who we're supposed to be in the world, people aren't going to understand why we do what we do. Amen? They're not going to understand that. I know there's a lady right now that was in Brother Greg's church. She was given one of the most dangerous missions of God that I can imagine. She was to go to the big cities and minister to the prostitutes that were there and show them love. Extremely dangerous. So much so that Brother Greg wouldn't even name her because it was so dangerous, what she was doing and where she was. But there she was. In the middle of all that filth, 
showing God's love to those ladies, telling them they don't got to live that way. This same Jesus, this gospel message, it can go anywhere. It's powerful. I don't want to be fearful of what they have to say, and I always want to be believing in the truth, regardless if it offends someone or not, because I want to make it. And not only do I want to make it, Brother Raymond, I want to take as many people as I can with me when I go. And I can do that by allowing this Holy Spirit to minister to me and make me the man that God wants me to be. Amen? And you can too. You believe it? I believe it. Now, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, and I'm going to just wrap this up. The Bible says, For false Christs, false prophets will arise. They will show great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, deceive and lead astray, if possible, that even the elect, God's chosen ones. We are living in that day and age, ladies and gentlemen, whenever those individuals are there. For you see, the devil has two methods of procedure with regard to the living truth of God. First, he seeks to hide the vision. If Satan can ever take this Bible, and he's done it before in history, and just hide it and tuck it away. And, you know, that's what we call the dark ages. That's, <laughs> that's when the Satan did that. He will. If he can push it out of the limelight, if he can get it put in these little corners, you know, and make it to where uh, only certain folks can read the Scripture and they're going to interpret it for you instead of it, God putting it in your hand, thank God for Martin Luther. You know, thank God for all those men in the foxes and women in the foxes' books of martyrs that said, no, this gospel is for someone to put it in their hand and read it and pray. Amen? If Satan cannot do that, when that is no longer possible, when the truth with its inherent brilliance and beauty is driving away the mist, because that's what the truth does, it shows things for what it is. The devil's procedure is that of patronage. He joins on board. And falsification, he begins to twist the truth. Taking it out of its true proportion, he turns it into a deadly error. In verse 8 here in Revelation chapter 21, we read of that error. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But the fearful and unbelieving, that's talking to folks, as, folks that are in the church, amen? There are people out there, they're getting the gospel that's not right tonight. This morning they did. They heard something that yet, as the Bible said, might have tickled the ears a little. The individuals that were behind the pulpit didn't want to offend the folks for whatever reason, whether it was money or numbers or whatever reason, but it's not going to fly. It's not going to work. I want someone to stand behind this pulpit and tell me the truth. Brother Albert's bat said, I'm never going to forget it, and I'll, I'll always remember this for the rest of my life. If you really love somebody, I'm talking about if you really have compassion with someone, you'll tell them the truth. You'll tell them what they need to know. Right? If you really believe them. One of the big things that the church, uh, the world today, as, we, as I'm ending here, do, does to us, they've turned this thing around to where if you don't agree with someone, you don't love them. 
you hate them. If you don't agree with them, it's a hate crime because you disagree with them. It's very odd to me because I went to Webster's Dictionary and I looked up the definition of the word love and I did not find the word agree. So I went to the definition of agree and I did not find the word love. So that lets me know I can love a lost and dying world and not agree with them. Amen? And you can too. I tell them, I don't agree with the way you're doing. It's not what the Bible says that an individual that's going to make it to heaven lives like. But I love you enough to let you know there's a man named Jesus. If you'll put your faith and your trust solely in this man, he will save your soul. And wonderful things happen. Your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. I'm really quite excited about having the opportunity to get to see that book. I want to see my name in it. You know, I don't. I just don't want to, uh, yeah, your name's up here. I'm like, oh, no, I want to see it. I need to get a picture of that. Anthony Brynn Hutchins, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin's gone, washed away, regenerated. He's been transformed, he's been regenerated, and he's been used. And now he's home. Put your name there. Amen? You need to put your name there. Bought for by the blood of Jesus Christ. I didn't deserve it. None of us did, did we? But he died. He really died. He suffered on the cross. The Bible says, cursed is any man that dies on a cross on a tree, is what the Bible said. He was cursed for me. And not only that, the relationship to, to me, the relationship between God and Jesus was severed for a moment in time because God couldn't look upon His own Son. And Jesus was alone, hanging between heaven and earth, taking it all for me. I'll never get over it. You'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. But thank God, three days later, and all power, and all authority, and all glory, and all holiness, and righteousness, and wonder of all wonders, that stone was rolled away, and that same Savior that hang between heaven and earth, He walked. He got up and walked out of that tomb forever, telling death, and looking at Satan and death and saying, the same tree that you killed me on, you're going to be swinging from them in a lot of people's lives, if you understand what I'm saying. Because I don't fear death anymore. I don't have to. Amen. It's wonderful to know that we serve a Savior that's so fantastic. Amen. So just a warning tonight. And another reason why I wanted to preach this too is just to let you know, Whenever you see this in people's lives, because not, not, not only are we called to, to minister to a lost and dying world, but folks, there's a lot of folks out there that have got some horrible doctrine they're believing, and they are not going to make it to heaven believing such. And we have to be able to correct them in love and say, no, that's not how what the Scripture says, you know. So let us be those kind of people tonight, amen. I'll turn the service back over to Dad.